Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey, you guys, this is Anna David. You're listening to Recover Girl podcast about addiction, recovery, and sharing your dark to find your light. Speaking of which, you can check out my new website. It's called lighthustler.com. Are you a light hustler? I think you might be. Yeah, if you're listening to this, I think so. Speaking of listening to this, I had the most amazing experience. While this is being recorded, I can say the previous weekend, but it will have been a we, whatever, you know how time works. You know how time works. I, I, I'm not going to stop this recording. But basically what I'm saying is that by the time you hear this, it won't have been last weekend. You get that. Anyways, I was I got to speak at this She Recovers event. Uh, and if you don't know what She Recovers is, that's fine. But you, you might want to. It's uh, this amazing Facebook page uh, run by Dawn Nickel and her daughter, Taryn Strong. And it was such an honor to speak at it. And the crazy beautiful thing is that there were so many people there who listened to this podcast and it sort of blew my mind because I was telling them that I think I go into this space where I pretend I'm just recording this for myself and my cat who's sitting here yawning who obviously doesn't understand English as far as we know and while I get amazing emails, I somehow have some weird distant thing about that. I'll get this amazing email about this podcast and I'll go, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be touched and sometimes cry and then sort of assume it has nothing to do with me. But there was no denying that people are listening to this when I actually met you in person. Um, So thank you. Thank you to the lovely women who made me feel so special for that. And today is one of those episodes where I took it from one of the Facebook live interviews that I'm doing on Facebook every Tuesday at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And this one was amazing. It is with Kelly Kitley. Uh, Check her website out at K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-I-T-L-E. Why? She is a mother of four in Chicago who is a therapist who has written a book called My Story. Oh my God, sorry. Myself, colon, A Story of Survival. And it is all about surviving childhood sexual abuse, an eating disorder, and addiction. And she is now sober four and a half years. And we talk a lot about what is it like to be somebody that people are coming to for help and disclosing that you too have suffered trauma. How do they respond? Uh, Who likes it? Who doesn't? That sort of thing. You can get her book on Amazon, by the way. And she has been featured in numerous publications, including the Wall Street Journal, the Huffington Post. She's been on Fox News. She's been in Women's Health Magazine, 
all of that. This is a great interview. Of course, the sound is what the sound is because it's from Facebook Live. We had a couple tech problems. I wouldn't be me if I didn't. And speaking of me, uh, if you want to message me on Facebook, it's my new favorite thing. I promise you a great surprise. You just have to go to m. Ugh, Jesus, message. m.me slash Anna B. David. And you'll get a cool surprise. And if you want, I, I, I'm giving away a bunch of different PDF downloads. I don't know what it will be by the time you hear this. So if you want a freebie from me, just go to AnnaDavidCoaching.com and you will get it. With that, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to give you Kelly Kitley. Whoa, we're live. Wow, you're pretty cool. Thanks. Guys, <laughs> hi. If, if you know me. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Anna David. Um, I host this show every Tuesday at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I'm a New York Times bestselling author. This is about addiction recovery, all that stuff. What you also may know about me is that I have tech problems like you wouldn't believe. So I have the lovely Kelly Kitley with me today. And I was I managed to transmit my bad tech juju all the way to Chicago. Are we right? I got it to Chicago. And look, she's smiling and laughing about it. So I want you to know, Kelly, I blame myself. Okay. No, I'm so happy to see you. I'm glad it worked down to the wire as, you know, life happens sometimes. Right? It's just like recovery, isn't it? Down to the wire and then it works. Who knows? I just made that up. It doesn't know. Anyway, we're going to get into all that. You look 12 years old for the record. I know. <laughs> I, I feel 12 sometimes, you know, but I have an 11 year old. So at least I'm a year older than he is. Yeah. So, so you guys get along well. And I did want to clarify, speaking of time in the uh, write up that I wrote promoting that we were doing this, I said that Kelly was over five years sober, sober. And in fact, she's four and a half years sober. So technically, by many people's beliefs, you are four and a half years old emotionally. <laughs> I think that may be correct. You're 11 year olds older than you emotionally. <laughs> I don't even know you. I already like you. So I'm so sorry to be accusing you of being a four and a half year old. Um, wow. We're already getting comments. Sky, I haven't heard from you in a really long time. Aww. I'm so glad you're here. You guys, if you are watching, we're very happy you're here. Please go share this with other people who you think may be interested. We want as many of you as, as possible here. And Kelly has a fascinating story, which we're going to get into right now. She and I have been in communication for a little while. And what I find fascinating about you, she's the author of, is it a best-selling book? Um, not yet. Working on it. Yep. After this interview, this will uh -huh. be a best-selling book. So I am just going to call it a, a bet, the best-selling book, Myself, an Autobiography of Survival. Correct. And it has many five-star reviews on Amazon. Um, oh, look, Joe Schrank is in the house. Kelly, if you don't know Joe, you should know Joe. He's wonderful. And he's telling me he's in New York for a few weeks. Oh, well, that's good. So so we're staying in touch like this. Are you still in New York right now? No, he's basically oh. Joe is communicating to me if I correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. But he lives in L.A. now, but he's in New York. So at least he gets to see me, even though he's not. Oh, in got it. Got it. OK. But regardless, no, I have lived in New York. Um, but but thank God, sorry, New Yorkers. I'm really happy not to be doing that anymore. Um, so Kelly has a fascinating story in that she is a 
prominent uh, therapist who was extremely open about the fact that she struggles with a lot of the same issues as her clients. And that is not something every therapist does. Can we talk a little bit about your decision to open up about your own struggles? Sure, absolutely. Um, it wasn't something that I have always been open about, but I have found that since I released my autobiography, it has transformed the relationships I've had with my clients. Um, and I'm seeing these things pop up. It's so wild. <laughs> I don't live in the 80s anymore. I was like, where's the tape recorder? Oh, oh that these comments are coming? <laughs> yes. It's a miracle. It was worth the stress and the like high blood pressure and cortisol running through both of our systems that it to get this happening to yeah. see. Now we know that Joe is marveling at the wonders of modern technology. By the way, if you are listening to this as a Recover Girl episode, God, doesn't it make you wish you watched these live broadcasts? You can. All you have to do is go to my Facebook page every Tuesday at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time and you can. Back to Kelly. So, so what year was your book released? just in 2017, about six months ago. Six months ago. Yeah. And so how long have you been a therapist? Uh, 13 years. And so so at when you became a therapist, you clearly knew that you were struggling with your own issues. And was it a, an internal battle when you were talking to people about how open you were going to be? Well, you know, I think that there was, I mean, I knew I wanted to be a therapist since I was 16. And I initially um, went into therapy to work on my first addiction, which was my struggle with an eating disorder. And it was a transformative experience. And I thought someday I want to do that as well. So I was really, once I had gotten through some of, some of my own recovery and childhood sexual abuse, um, I really made that uh, specialty. And so, um, you know, I didn't think I was an alcoholic when I was treating people with trauma and um, eating disorders and relationship issues, but um, certainly I'm not perfect. And um, the whole recovery process in, in 12 step, the 12 step um, group that I belong to has been absolutely transformative. It's interesting to hear you say that you didn't think you were an alcoholic. Well, a few things. I once sponsored a woman who was a therapist who would talk to me about, I'm not breaking any of them, I'm not saying her name, Coke <laughs> in between seeing clients. And I was like, oh my God. But I, I, I do know, I, I'm just, I have the greatest therapist in the world. I'm sure you're the second greatest therapist in the world. I happen to go to the greatest therapist in the world. And she, that, that boundary that always kind of made me so uncomfortable, which is I can know nothing about your life and you can know everything right. about Right. I absolutely love the fact that she tells me about her life. I know that we have commonalities. It makes the world a difference. It does. But you know what? There is a huge split between the clients who have come to me and said, oh, my gosh, I can tell you so much more because I know you've been there and there were things that I've been holding back. Um, and other people who said, you know, I sell my book in my waiting room. Half the clients have read it. Half have not. Um, and some people have said, you know what, that I just, it makes me uncomfortable to know anything about you. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think that's diagnostic in and of itself. <laughs> but I, I do respect that, absolutely. Um, and certainly when I started speaking about things and making news appearances, I mean, it's out there. So, you know, if somebody 
happens to be looking for a therapist and sees that, I think, you know, they will either feel comfortable with it or not. But some of them are long-term clients, you know. Um, I lived in Santa Monica for seven years. I didn't know if you knew that, but. You got early on in our communication. Yeah, and, and so I practiced there, um, and I certainly wasn't as open. So um, I do, th I think therapeutic relationships are changing. It's always going to be about the client, but there is a different kind of connection that happens. It's so artificial when it's like, like you said, your therapist knew everything about you and you knew nothing. You know, now a lot of my clients know I vacation at the Jersey Shore every summer and I spend it there with my family. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's been an experience beyond my wildest dreams. I will say one thing, we're getting great questions and, and comments and I want to get to them in a second, but I, I had a therapist, you know, I was just riding living in New York. Sorry, Joe. And I, I had the worst therapy experience of my life there. I went to this therapist for three years. Once I saw him on the street and it was the most uncomfortable thing that's ever happened to me. And then when I, next time I saw him in session, I said, God, that made me so, no, I go, he was super weird. That was it. And, and when I went back to, to see him, he was like, can we talk about how, how uh, uncomfortable you were when you saw me on the street? And I just was, it was just all so weird. I need it to be integrated into my life. And two uh, friends of mine who work um, as therapists are, are sharing, Andrew Brin, who is a wonderful guy, one of the first, uh, my first uh, mentors. Do you know Andrew? I don't, but I just read what he wrote and I love that. I love it. So anybody listening and not watching, therapeutic self-disclosure is so valuable when treating addiction. I'm very happy to see it taken to the next level here. Good luck to you both. Mm. Uh, thank you, Andrew. And I just will note that you have not changed your uh, Facebook picture in a really long time because I remember. Totally <laughs> great. And um, and Joe, um, Joe is first being obnoxious about New York, talking about pizza and bagels, whatever, carbs. We don't need to go there right now. Um, but Joe is also saying self-disclosure is appropriate when it's for the benefit of the client. I often use self-disclosure. I'm interested to know if cannabis is helpful in trauma treatment. I find it really helpful for vets with trauma. I'm going to share that they recently opened a treatment center in Los Angeles. He's been a guest on this podcast and they use cannabis in treatment. So Kelly, what's your feeling about that? Whew. Well, um, I don't know if I have a formulated, you know, strong opinion about that, but certainly working in addiction, you know, I know cannabis can be helpful for a lot of people who have struggled with um, trauma, but it's not an area of expertise of mine um, and off the cuff don't necessarily fully support it, um, but would need to know more about it to be able to comment appropriately about it. And I so appreciate your saying that because I think that's, you know, just so many people. I, I've been one on TV just talking out of my ass. I'm so sorry if the language offends people. Um, and one thing I will say about Joe is that on the, when I first heard the idea, I was I did not understand it at all. And, mm -hmm. and go back and listen to that episode with him because I've had several people say I was so against the idea. And, when, you know, he's a really articulate guy. Joe is sober. He believes in, you know, he doesn't use cannabis himself, but it is something that he believes helps people. So it's a very interesting way to sort mm. of uh, oneself about it. Um, and apparently on Curb Your Enthusiasm this week, it was about disclosure. Did you see it, Kelly? I didn't know. I will, we do watch it. So I will make sure. 
to go back and watch that episode. And I think Annika was really into cannabis truffle oil. I don't know. Truffle oil, I'm not sure how it's how it's relevant. So please tell us because I think that's what you're talking about. I do love I do love truffle oil on fries. Um, <laughs> so back to your story. So let's talk a little yeah. bit. You know, briefly you mentioned uh, sexual abuse and an eating disorder. Um, I don't I don't want to how much can we get into this? What, what happened? Um, so at a young age, probably about 10, not probably about 10, at 10, um, I'm the oldest of five and we, I grew up above my parents' bar in the city of Chicago and I was exposed to, um, alcohol and drugs at a very young age. Um, and you know, there were people in and out of our house all the time and, um, we had decided to move a little further from the city, um, out to kind of a more rural suburb. And, um, my dad had befriended this guy that in the book is called the handyman. Um, and there's a chapter about that where, um, there were many moments of sexual abuse and I didn't tell anybody for a long time. Um, and then we were talking about it and I went to a Catholic school and it was like, you know, the fear of God in me, if you don't tell somebody, then, you know, you'll go to hell. So I came home that day um, and asked my dad if I could talk to him because he's this big guy and it was his friend. And I thought, you know, surely he would do something. That was my first experience of learning to bottle up our feelings and shove them deep down inside, or mine at least. Um, so I never talked about it again until I was in treatment for an eating disorder about 10 years later. Unfortunately, you kind of broke up and froze right at the moment you were saying you told your dad thinking that he would do something and he basically said no. He said, I don't believe you. And he said, if if it's going on, then you should probably stop going over to his house because he had a daughter who was my age. But then he continued to stay and do different projects around the house. And my dad said, just don't pay any attention to him. Um, And I had two younger siblings. So, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you hear that that happens, right? Like you tell a safe adult and, you know, in writing a book, that was probably the hardest chapter for me because I had done a lot of work around it. But I've got four small kids and I thought if that ever happened to any of them, oh my gosh. I mean, I, (laughs) I would do anything. And so to, to have that experience of just total disregard and people said, you know, well, why didn't you tell your mom? Um, But she, you know, she had four younger kids to take care of. and, And I was really emotionally connected to my dad. Um, but that certainly changed our relationship immensely. Yeah. So have you forgiven him for that? I have, you know, I mean, there a lot since then freeze again. Yeah. You're, um, you guys having trouble. Um, just, you guys are never afraid to say if you're having any trouble with the text. So do tell, but, um, I just don't want to miss a word of what you're saying. Oh. Well, so- I, I know that it's it's very warm in LA. I think 99 degrees. I've heard, but it's like 40 and rainy here, so it might it might be going in and out with the rain. Um, but no, what I was saying was I, I absolutely have forgiven my dad. I mean, his toolbox was so slim um, mm-hmm. in his own upbringing, and I've had many chances to have conversations with him, and I, you know, confronted him um, 
my senior year in high school and just said, how could you not believe me? And he didn't have the words, but he hugged me. And, you know, that was what I needed, just some kind of acknowledgement. But, you know, to this day, my parents haven't read the book. And it's just kind of more affirmation that we don't talk about that stuff. And um, that's really the reason I wrote it, because there's a lot of stuff people don't talk about. And we need to break the stigma of mental health and addiction or people will stay sick. I'm, I'm so with you. And I have to say, in terms of our generation, I'm going to assume we're somewhat of the same generation. I really, really, really hear that a lot about people going to parents, having gone to parents when they were little. And be, I hear the, the, the stories of them being invalidated a lot more often than I hear the stories of them being heard. And, mm. um, you know, and that is something, you know, we live in such a such a horrible, torturous time. And everyone is so aware of how hard things are right now. And one thing people don't talk about enough is how amazing it is that we have the freedom to talk about these things the way previous generations did not. Um, it's miraculous in many ways. It is. You know, and, and another part of my story, too, was in my 20s, after I had recovered from an eating disorder, I was um, sexually assaulted on the streets in Chicago. It was a random act of violence. Um, and it was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding? Like, time to go back into therapy and the post-traumatic stress that followed that. And, um, you know, for some reason, that seems more OK to talk about because it was a, not for me, but for other people's comfort level. You know, it's, it's like, well, that was just one time and it was totally random. And, you know, um, it, say that again. You were an adult. So it's not and a, I'm an adult. Creepy, yeah. uh, you're not allowed to say that, you know, that'll happen in a city kind of a thing. Right. Um, in terms of the eating disorder, did you see, you sought treatment for that? Um, is that something you battle with still today? It is not. Um, I did, I sought treatment. Well, my best friend who, um, you know, is part of my story as well. She told on me for having an eating disorder um, and later got sober and I followed in her footsteps a few months later. But um you know, there was so much going on at my house. If people noticed, they didn't say anything, um, but it was pretty obvious. And so my friend told on me um, to my mom and my mom's automatic response was the next day we went and saw a psychiatrist and a nutritionist and I started individual therapy and the therapist was like, well, this is a family issue, um, but it was a total secret. My dad wouldn't pay for the therapy and my parents were married at the time, but they had very different opinions about that. Um, so we kept it a secret. And um, I continued to go to therapy in college at the uh, College Counseling Center. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, significant, you know, I mean, there's such a high likelihood of women who were sexually abused as children who do end up developing an eating disorder. And as you know, addiction and, and substance abuse as well. Um, so I wasn't surprised um, as an adult looking back, um, but certainly at the time, it was like the only thing I had control over. Right. Um, but my therapist, who was like, proceed for me in my life, um, really, really drove me to the career that I'm in now. Right, right. Are you in therapy now? Currently, I'm not. Interesting. It's, you know, it always, <laughs> reminds me, you know, uh, Dr. Melfi on um, 
why am I forgetting the Sopranos, you know, therapist. Um, but so, and did you lose clients? I, we sort of rushed over that when you did people say, I'm sorry, I can't see you anymore. This is just too much information. Well, um, unfortunately, I don't usually get that feedback. <laughs> usually it's like, you know, they skip an appointment and, you know, kind of weasel their way out. But um, no, right. I've, had some, I've had some really great conversations. Um, I've had a solid clientele for a long time. Um, and so people really embraced. I, I can say 99% of the people I work with embraced it. Um or didn't talk about it, but I didn't lose anybody because of it. And in terms of going on TV and all of that, you know, um, were you worried about that too? You know, there's this sort of division between the therapists who don't do that and the therapists who do that, and then the therapists who do that and really don't want a private practice right, at all. Right. They want to be TV stars. Was that something that you sort of uh, thought out? What are your feelings on that? No, I mean, the the media stuff is is not so much credibility for me. Um, I'm not seeking that as much as like, let me get out there and spread the word as much as I can. And for me, you know, and, and I found you through She Recovers actually with Don Nickel. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And you're um, just as a side note, kind of my girl crush. So I'm kind of in like, <laughs> you know, are you, are you like having a moment right now with like, girl- I, I was like, I gotta get on this I gotta get on. Well, I now that I've seen you, I'm kind of girl crushing back. Um, nobody get uncomfortable with any of this. It's all very above board and professional. Uh, but I did want to say, as I girl crush, if anybody wants to find out more about Kelly, I'm putting the URL for her website up here. If you're listening, uh, it's there's an E in her name, so it's K E L L E Y Kitley K I T L E Y. Dot com. It's a great name. It's, I kept wanting when I was to, when I was scheduling it in my head. I kept going Kitty Kelly though. It was like easy to mix up with that. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, I got it straight. And her book is available on. It's on Amazon. Is it in others? Is it in stores as well? You know what? I my um, New York publisher um, pulled out last minute. Oh God! So I ended up self-publishing. So yes, it is on Amazon. It is a labor of love. I'm hustling hard. Um, but yes, that is the best way to get it. So you heard that, you guys. You can go support an independent author by going and buying her book uh, right now on Amazon. And and actually, that reminds me of something super important that will be irrelevant if you're hearing this on the podcast because it will be too late. I am opening up my coaching program. I had closed it because uh, I got my 10 students for my coaching program. I, I got enough inquiries that I'm starting it again. I'm going to have two groups simultaneously. So if you are watching this Facebook Live interview and you are interested, you must email me right away, Anna at AnnaDavid.com. If you are interested, I'm going to actually put that up on the screen. Um, it's a super cool program where I walk people through the process of writing, uh, building their profiles, then writing and selling their book proposal. And one out of the 10 gets a meeting with an agent and publisher. So Ooh. I know, I know. And it, um, it, it thrills me to do this program. I'm obsessed with making it as I want everybody to feel like they got the deal of a lifetime. So, but anyway, so, so enough about me, um, Ellie, what, and you live in Chicago and your plan is to just keep spreading the word about this, continue your private practice. Do you have another book in you? What are you, what's your future plan? Well, I have a TEDx talk on Friday. 
so exciting. So I'm really excited about that. That's been a long-term goal of yeah. mine. Um, and, you know, I'm just constantly pitching myself. I'm my own PR person, um, my own marketer. Um, you know, I called some PR people in LA. It's like $10,000 a month. I'm like, I can't. So it's me and um, I'm a little scrappy, but it's really, it's, it's working. Um, so just some bigger national um, appearances on the Today Show, Good Morning America. Um, they're in the wings. So um, that and yeah, if if <laughs> I'd like to work with um, a publisher the next time around, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's the book's only been out six months. So I'm still, you know, it goes in waves. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I've I'm in a really good place right now. And did we mention she has four kids, you guys? Happy marriage, four children. Um, and and yeah, and, and you are a hustler. I, too, am my own publicist and marketing person. And I will say, you know, I had publicists for five of my six books, and they did absolutely nothing. So, you know, you are your own best spokesperson. I believe in the, you know, day and age we're living in, um, you know, like we should be our own publishing houses, our own um you know, production companies, you know, that's part of why I do this show. It's like, why not? I get to say Tuesdays at four o'clock to do this and I'm doing it. So, so there you go. So um, we got to get close to wrapping up. Is there anything else you want to tell people? Do you guys have any other questions? Richard shared that he saw his old psychiatrist at, I don't know what that is. Myers, Myers, it's a grocery store. Yeah, oh, so awkward, so awkward. And by the way, um, Annika did men did explain that the truffle oil reference was about curb your enthusiasm. Oh, okay, good. Uh, well, that's I've got some things to watch after the World Series. You know, the the Dodgers beat the Cubs. So sad. I don't speak sports. It's just, is that um, <laughs> well, you can say that Marsha's really proud of you, Kelly? Oh, thanks, Marsha. Um, so yeah, so it, it just any final words for people watching or listening, no pressure. Final words, you know, get it girl. That's my tagline. I'm, I'm a women's mental health advocate and a majority of the people in my practice are women and, um, couples. I do treat men as well. And there have been men who've read the book who have really, um, been appreciative of the light that I've shed on maybe potentially what their significant others going through or a sister or um, a family member, but the shame, I mean, until we break through that, um, you know, my, the tagline with get it girl is shame no more that, you know, when we reach outside our comfort zone and ask for help, um, that is truly the first step. Um, and the rest, you know, that piece people have explained it to me and I've experienced it myself. It is like the monkey and the ton of bricks on your back and on your chest just released. And that's huge. Um, so I really encourage people to, to tell on themselves and, um, get the help that they need. And you and I should be working together on something because that's so that's so my my thing. You know, my thing is just even share it. And then if you share it publicly, you're giving other people permission to do the same. And you know, my new site, by the way, is called lighthustler.com. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Find your lights. 
doesn't have to be through a book. It doesn't have to be through a Facebook post. It can be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. However you want to do it, you are giving other people permission to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so Kelly, thank you so, so much. Thank you for bearing with the tech. You guys, thank you for watching. Come back next Tuesday at four o'clock. This will be released as a podcast. And Kelly, I'm serious. Let's figure out stuff to do together. I'd love it. Hey girl, I, I hope uh, you know to be back in LA soon and I'll come knocking on your door. Okay, good. I love it. Okay, bye, y'all. See you next week. Bye, Anna. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye.